for my pride. And I confess it before you that you say that is an abomination. And Lord, I repent for the abomination of pride in my life. You say that you hate sexual immorality. I'm just not saying, Lord, forgive me of my sin because I did it again. But I say, Lord, I am guilty, whether it be adultery, whether it be fornication, whether it be pornography, whatever it may be. You've got to say about that sin what God says about it for it to be a true confession. The word renounce, if you confess and renounce, the word renounce means to turn your back and walk away from it and never go again. The word confess means to be made into a new person and to be, have something new brought on the inside of you. So when we Christians say, I've confessed my sins, it means you say the same thing God says about it. And I was meditating and praying over it. This is the victory part of it. And confessing it is part of the victory. But this is also the victory part of it. If I can say what God says over my sin, then I can say what God says over my guilt. If I can say what God says over my sin, then I can say what God says over my shame. If I can say what God says over my error, then I can say what God says over my future. Because the power of confessing it and the power of renouncing it comes in that I am coming in agreement with God. I am not trying to cover up. I'm not trying to use excuses that it is in my genes. I am what I am because of how I was raised. I'm not trying to pass the buck on anyone. Lord, I am saying, I have done this wrong before You and this is what You say about it. I confess what You say about it and because now I have confessed it before You, You are faithful and just to cleanse me of this sin and now I can say, Shane, come here. I want to have a talk with You. Just like I have to talk, have a talk with my sin, I've got to have a talk with my shame. And I've got to say, Shane, come here. I confess my sin, therefore now you're going to listen to me. You have beat me over the head. You have caused me to stay up at night. You have caused me to leave one relationship after another. You have caused me to have migraines. You have pushed me into drinking. You have pushed me into drugs. You have pushed me into other people's arms because I've given in to you. But shame, I'm saying right now, I have confessed it before my God. I have renounced it. I am ready to prosper and I'm ready to go forward. So I say right now, shame, who's your daddy now? Guilt, who's your daddy now? Sit down, guilt. I'm going to tell you something. There is now, therefore, no more condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And you are not going to bother me anymore. Because now that I'm in agreement with God over what I did, you have no right to persecute me, bombard me, and tell me off, and try to put me down. Because my identity is not in what I did, but in the agreement with my God. You hear me, church? This is the Word. I'm sorry, Lord. And don't do it. The Word says it. We think grace is a get-out-of-jail-card free. But God is wanting to speak to His people. And this is not, nor has it ever been the time, to cover our sins. Because just like Nathan went to David... And his sin found him out. Our sins that are not confessed before God and renounced will find him. And we'll never be able to face the enemy. 
face the trials and the problems and tribulations that we face until our heart and our mind is cleansed and we have a security and a confidence. It's because I walk in agreement with my God in every area. Because how can two walk in agreement unless they agree? And how can I agree in my victory if I haven't agreed over my sin? And only against thee and thee only have I done this wrong. America has lived a life of saying, I'm sorry, and not agreeing with the author and the judge who sits upon the throne. God has wanted to bring us to a new place of authority, but also a new place of brokenness before God. Robert Schuller said, you will suddenly realize that the reason you've never changed before was because you didn't want to. Reason you never changed before was because you never want to. And what I'm preaching to you today, don't get into a crisis before you come in agreement. Get in agreement with God over every area of your life to escape the crisis. Many times, you know, my bosses and dad used to tell me, you can either learn the hard way or you can learn the easy way. I can tell you how it's done, but if you don't listen to me, you'll end up learning the hard way how it's done. For the Holy Spirit of God, which Nathan represented there before David, was you can learn the easy way or you can learn the hard way. He wants you to live an eternity in heaven. But that means that we've got to come in and bring to the living God. And I've got some questions here. Is If I don't want to, change why? What am I dealing with? What has me? What has a hold of me? What does God call me? Some people call it the way I was raised. God says it's the fruit of the flesh. And I want you to receive the fruit of the Spirit. It's quiet in here this morning. How many know the Bible says for us to come out of the world and be separate from it? And you know, so many times we have the attitude in this world, well, you know, let me try it one time, and then I'll repent. Or... Daddy, everybody else is doing it. Everybody else is going there. Why can't we? It's in a comparison. It's what happened to the ten spies that brought them more time in the desert. Well, you know, God's a loving God. He won't send me to hell for that. You don't want to take a chance. Or how about this one? Listen to me, young people. But I'm in love. I love Him. And He says, if I really love Him, I'll give myself to Him. Are you going to come in agreement with that lying devil? Or are you going to come in agreement with God that you will save yourself as a chaste virgin until the day of marriage? But I love her. She is such a wonderful lady. But she's not a believer, but I'm going to win her to the Lord. The Word of God says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Are you going to come in agreement with your emotions? Or are you going to come in agreement with the Word of God? He who covers his sins will not prosper. It says it clearly there in the Word. That's what the Holy Spirit has wanted to teach us. Look at me in Isaiah chapter 40. So many people say, I can't change. Well, maybe you need to confess that. Maybe you've tried on your own to change and now God wants to change you. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 27. 
many people sing that song. If loving you is wrong, then I don't want to be wrong. <laughs> this is too good. It can't be sin. Well, if it's too good, it's got to be sin unless it has something to do with the glory of God. I just want you to see in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and Jacob represents the, the flesh side of Jacob, and speak, O Israel, which represents the spirit of man, Jacob represents the soul of man, my way is hidden from the Lord. My just claim is passed over by my God. Have you not known and have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, never faints nor is weary? His understanding is unsearchable. Isn't it amazing that we use the scripture all the time, but it's talking about thinking we are hiding our way from God and he doesn't know or he doesn't He gives power to the weak. Hallelujah. And to those who have no might, He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. The young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait, say with me, wait. Wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. That word renew means to make new but different. And wait upon the Lord. Let me share something with you. You know, we got a culture that constantly has to be entertained. But when Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord, it was a long time. And when we want to discipline our kids, we tell them it's time out or it's a long time. And many times when we have problems or we have issues, we want to try to get around people and we want to try to get somebody to encourage us, somebody to feel sorry for us, somebody to feel sympathy for us. But if we're going to change and uncover what is really deep within our heart and our souls, we're going to have to get into some alone time. I don't mean lonely, I mean alone. Because we want all these groups, we want all these care groups, we want all these services, we want all the things we can do. Because the truth of the matter is, I don't want to be alone with God. Because when I get along with God... He's got a way of showing me things that I thought I'd forgot about. And I know now He had. You know, the Bible talks, and I want to, I want to get there in a minute in the book of Mark. It talks about the woman with the issue of blood. And I'll just go ahead and share it. The woman with the issue of blood. It says she had spent all that she had with brew words. People try to use money to know. Pull out money, but you see, I got real money right here. I don't trust nobody with real money, but this, I, I can get this. And a husband would go to his husband would go to his wife, and instead of having a long time and fixing it, here, go shopping. I want to know this. Son, I don't want to confront you. I don't want to talk about what's going wrong. So here, go get you some. And it says she spent all she had. Let me tell you something, church. What you don't confess and what you don't get answers to will drain. It will drain. You keep throwing your money on things saying, oh, I'll just drink that. I'll just take that. I'll just be friends with those people. 
And it says that woman spent all she had, but she grew worse. Because what she don't get to the root of is going to drain her. And you can start off and you have all the money in the world. But if we don't confess and get it right, or we don't confess, what we don't agree with God on is going to end up draining us. And sometimes we'll have to get to the very point where it seems like I'm dying before I get serious enough to get it right. It's amazing how many people on their hospital bed with tubes all over. That's when they're serious. In my office, they're just passing a good time. But when those tubes are in them, they get serious about that. She spent all she had I'll do everything I can. I'll drink all I can. But it just keep on draining. It'll just get worse. I'll get it. I'll find some prescription drugs. I'll find some new friends. I'll go find a new church that makes me feel good about myself, just the way I am. But you still continue to be drained. Because until we get from a long time with God, we won't ever get out of the pit. The Word of God says that she had a work through the crowd. How many of you know when you want to get right with God, there's the good crowd and there's the bad crowd. And the bad, the bad crowd, you know what the bad crowd's going to tell you? The bad crowd's going to tell you, you know what? If I was, you know, you go up to somebody and say, you know what, I've been fooling around with my wife. I've been sleeping with another woman. And you know what the bad crowd will tell you? Well, I don't blame you. If she was my wife, I'd sleep around with her too. That's what the bad crowd will tell you. Hey, I'm speaking truth. Go home and the wife says, Why have you been, the husband says, Why have you been cheating on me? She'll say, Well, always the blame. You're not giving me what I want. The bad crowd will get in the gossip with you, get in the slander with you, get in the sin with you, and most of the time are living the same type of sin life. The bad crowd will just say, Oh, you know. Man, I don't blame you. You gotta have a little bit of peace. Listen, if I live with if I live with you know, the Bible even says, the Bible even says, have you ever gone with the bad crowd, but yet they know the Bible too, just like Satan? You get with the bad crowd and they say, you know, the Bible says that it's better to be on a rooftop on a rainy, stormy day than with a woman who nags all the time. He says, I don't think God would count it against you if you do a little bit of this. To come down from that woman who nags you and drives you crazy, just a little bit. Or a little bit of this. Just a little bit of something to just calm your nerves. I don't think God would be against that. So who are we going to agree with? Which crowd are we going to agree with? Now, it's kind of like this pastor. You know, he went to visit some new members of the church. Even, you know, how many of you know that even your own mama can be in the bad crowd? You can be married to an awesome woman, but she never amounted up to a hill of beans to mama. You go over there, and, Mama. You should have seen what she. You should have heard what she said about me. What she said about you. Well, I told you you should have married that little girl. I never liked her. After the first time I saw her, I knew she was a devil. You should have never married her in the first place. And how many of you you know that? Hey, you're married. You got a covenant. You married. You deal with. It. But not Mama. Mama's always on your side. And it's kind of like this preacher who went to visit some new people in the church, and he was sitting down and. The husband and wife came out, and he goes, Sir, what's your name? He says, My name's Adam. Then he says uh, to the wife, Well, what's your name? 
He said, well, my wife's name is Eve. Well, that's unique. That two children sit on the sofa. So he says, hey, what's the name of your children? Cain and Abel. Boy, y'all are real biblical. I bet you got a steak in the back room. Yeah, just a minute. Mother-in-law! <laughs> but how many of you know you got your bad crowd and you got your good crowd? What crowd are we going to run? If I've got some issues, I better be in church. I better be in the Word. I better be listening to worship. I better be listening to teaching. I better be around those believers who can encourage me. But I better be having some alone time with God. Because on Judgment Day, I will stand alone. You will stand alone. And where will the proud be? Now we're talking about he who covers his sins will not prosper. What happened to the little lady who touched Jesus? She came in from behind and touched him from behind because she didn't feel worthy enough to face him. But Jesus, who knows everything, why did he ask who touched him? Because Jesus wants something. He looked around looking for her. He already knew it was a woman. He probably already knew who it was, but he said, Who touched me like that? And her fear and trembling came up before him. And then she was able to look at him in his face and said, I'm the one. And instead of cutting her down, because she had done some things against the law, she ended up in verse 34 honoring her saying, Daughter, your faith is safe. If you're worried and scared about what God is going to tell you and show you and how He's going to deal with you because of something secret in your life, when you go and confess it before Him and you touch Jesus, He'll change you. You just grab, it says she grabs the hem of the foot. You just grab a hold of Jesus and don't let go. Grab a hold of Jesus. Grab a hold of the horns of the altar and don't let go. Or I have done this, I am uncovering now. I confess it before you. You call it sin. I call it sin. I don't care if other people call it temperament. I don't care if other people call it character. I don't care what other people call it. I call it according to your word and you call it sin. Rebellion. An unteachable, unsubmissive attitude. Whatever it may be. It's the preacher's fault. It's my wife's fault. It's my husband's fault. God said, if you're going to uncover it, you're going to have to be real with me and you're going to have to call it what I call it. And I don't call it your wife's problem. I don't call it your husband's problem. I don't call it your children's problem. I call it your problem. And you're going to have to get before me. And you're going to have to let me deal with you. And even as Nathan went before God, uh, before David, and let me say something else. David could have killed Nathan. But he didn't. We can quench the Holy Spirit, but we better not. When we're praying and seeking Him and we're hearing a message and we're hearing God maybe speaking through somebody or a song or something like that, we better be open and say, well, you know, Lord, you have to tell that to me again for me to receive that. Listen, don't wait too long to get your life right with God. Amen? Psalms 33, verse 11 and 12. Come, my children, and listen to me. 
and I will teach you to fear the Lord? Does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? Verse 14. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace. And listen to this. And work to maintain it. Work to maintain it. Listen, I've been saved since 1969. But I tell you what, every day I've got to work to maintain my salvation. I've got to work on my, on my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and with the Holy Spirit and with my Heavenly Father. Every day I've got to work. And listen, if, if there is something, and we all have our issues, there is something wrong with me. It's not about me saying, well, one day it will fix itself. It will not fix itself. It will grow. And it will be my ruin instead of me taking authority now and ruining it. Amen, church? It's quiet in here. Just tell your neighbor he's not talking about you. But you know what happens? We go, everybody hears these. You're going to be anointed. You're going to be prosperous. You're going to be blessed. Everything's going to work good. You're going to be so used by God. Yeah, and what you've got in your room needs to be brought out before the good word comes out. What you've got in your heart and what what you've been dabbling in needs to be brought out before the true word of the Lord comes forth. And it so happens that many times that I believe this new generation of prophets that are being raised up, they're they're not going to play no game because they're worried about the tithes and the offerings or the money or their reputation or how many books or tapes they may sell. They're going to be worried about speaking the word of the Lord because it says in Jeremiah 1 that if you do not speak my word, I will cause you to be utterly terrified before my people. You do not warn my people of their sins and the need to uncover them and confess them. I will cause you to be degraded before them. And it's this type of message that has been silenced for too long that the reason the church in America is the way it is and we may be finding ourselves today where we are and I wonder, Lord, I'm sowing, I'm sowing, I'm sowing, I'm sowing. Why aren't you prospering me? He says, I want to talk to you about your heart. I want to talk to you about what you are not confessing or recognizing before me. Come in agreement with me. Now look at me in Psalms chapter 32. And we'll see the response of David. Psalms chapter 32. I love you. And to agree with God, you must love me. You stuck. Well, you didn't have to preach that. God said I did. And it's not about being a man pleaser or walking in the fear of man or what will somebody say or what somebody think. This is about saving lives. It's about saving lives because hell is a real place. And Jesus paid such a price that we would not go to that place. It says in Psalms 32, verse 9, this is the Living Bible. Well, I want to read verse 3. Let me read verse 3. When I refused to confess my sin, this is the Living Translation, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted. 
over your sin. Not all physical problems, I know, I know, I know, it's not because of unconfessed sin, but some may be. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me, and my strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Verse 5. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me, and my guilt is gone. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time. Let the godly pray to you while there is still time. And verse 8 says, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway of your life, and I will advise you and watch over you. He wants to teach me, counsel me, convict me, and lead me to the face of Jesus Christ. I want to share with you this morning. You hear people who got in a wreck or almost lost their life. And they said, all my life passed before me in a split second. How many have ever heard that or had that happen? That's what water baptism is all about. Water baptism is about going under as an old, unregenerated person. And when you're under the water for a split second, your whole life, before you and before God and before you. As you're down into that tomb of water, your whole old life passes before you and sinks to the bottom of the stone. When you come out of that water, you are raised to walk in you. You are raised regenerated and your sins are washed away forgiven. You're here today. Preacher, I need to be baptized. I'll tell you right now, I want you to let me know after church. We'll baptize you tonight. If you can't make it tonight, I'll baptize you in that fountain at the church. I mean, right there. I'll take my shoes off. I'll get in there and I'll baptize you right now. If you can make it tonight, you say, I need to be baptized. I'll baptize you tonight. But listen, I am feeling the urgency that if we're going to grow mature and go where we need to go, we need to let some things pass before our eyes and deal with it and say, Lord, you call it this, I call it that, and I want it out of my life. I break it totally for me now. I told you about Esau. Even though he repented with tears, he waited too long. I want to tell you today that if you have a broken spirit before God, He is able to save you. Say, I need you in my heart and my life as my personal Lord and Savior. And I come before you and there's some things I want to speak about. I want, the, uh, every, I want them to start turning down the light. 